0: Bridge Toll, California, customer service number.
1: Highway miles to the gallon, Ford Focus.
0: Thailand Cave Rescue Operation.
1: What is Schema F? Best wine bars in San Carlos, California. Best Western hotels. How old is Ronaldo? What happened with Big Brother? What's a
0: good? Engagement How engagement for wedding, should I send out How many save the dates? Are in the first series Use iMap the to check on. email on other email clients. Identify fonts
1: Where from within. You we were four years
0: Stout. Stout. We were Welcome to the Voices of Search podcast. I'm your host Benjamin Shapiro, and today we're going to talk about SEO for B2B businesses. Joining us today is Greg Dineo, who's the founder of Content Guppy, which is a marketing agency that specializes in creating SEO content that will turn your blog into your company's biggest lead generation channel. And today, Greg and I are going to discuss the content methodology that builds B2B audiences. And this podcast is also sponsored by Ahrefs. What if I told you that you could monitor your website's SEO health backlinks and organic rankings at no costs? Sounds too good to be true? All right, on with the show. Here's my conversation with Greg Dineo, founder of Content Guppy. Greg Dineo, welcome to the Voices of Search podcast. Thank you for having me. Excited to have you as a guest on our show. Excited to talk a little B2B SEO strategy. You're the founder of Content Guppy. Tell us a little bit about what that means.
1: So we uh, basically create promote and rank content that is designed to rank and then turn those rankings into customers. That's the essence of what we do. We rank content and then attract readers who become customers.
0: So Greg, you make it sound so simple. Um, You know, (laughs) hey, we create some content... We write that content so it ranks and then the customers show up. All right. That's easy. Thanks. Podcast done. See you later. Have a good one. (laughs) Everybody call Greg. There's got to be some secret sauce. Let's start at the beginning when you're creating your content. First thing you have to do is understand who the audience is. Talk to me about creating content or what the methodology is for, A, understanding who your B2B audience is and then creating a content strategy around them.
1: Sure. So to understand who your audience is, the, the very first thing you have to do is talk to your customers. So, If you're on the SEO team or you're on the marketing team, whatever it is, I highly implore you to jump on sales calls as often as you possibly can because without that, you have no basis for who your customer is, what their pain points are, what they're looking for. What are they thinking about when they want to buy your product or service? That is the very first thing that you should do. And when I first started working with a software company called Time Doctor on the marketing team, one of the first things I did was jump on a customer call or a sales call every single day for about a month or a month and a half. So I implore you to do that. Then, once you understand, have a full understanding of who your customer is and what it is they are thinking about when they search for your product or service or the ideas around your product or service, then you can start to build a content frameworks to fulfill various parts of your marketing funnel.
0: So, let me ask you a question. You know, you mentioned hey, the first thing you had to do is understand who your audience is, who your customers are. And your suggestions go and sit on sales calls. If you don't have the ability to do that, talk to customer service, understand what are some of the questions that your customers are asking. I think there's a big difference between defining your customers from your demographic segments and actually understanding what their pain points are. Most of the time, when people think of audience definition, they think of age 24 to 35 live in a major urban metro, skew slightly male, make fifty dollars to $100,000 Well, work in a B2B marketing company. That's what most people think of audience definition, where you're saying you have to be more, I guess it's pain point oriented. So talk to me about the difference when you're defining your audience from classic definitions.
1: Yeah, I would say it's more qualitative than quantitative. So... One of the things that you could do is while you're doing your, your customer, I'll call it development, is you could scroll through Facebook groups, irrelevant Facebook groups and Slack channels and things like that and see what people are asking. And that is sort of how you begin to get an understanding of those pain points. So that way when you you go into a call, you could say, or a sales call, you could say, hey. What is the pain point that you're having right now that led you to us? Why is that a big pain point for you? How much time is it taking for you to solve that pain? Or, you know, how much are you spending thinking of that pain point? All those things that you can then get a better understanding of your customers' frame of mind when they come to your site or when they want to buy your product, right? Like what you're talking about is like, you know, those demographics. Those are awesome demographics to put into like a Facebook ad or, or something like that. When you're thinking about search, it's more about the mindset of the customer when they want to find your site or when they want to read an article that you've written or when they want to, again, eventually buy your product or service.
0: Yeah, I think you're putting yourself in the customer's shoes. Shoes.
1: Yes. You're trying to develop a level of empathy beyond, I have this product or service and you need this product or service.
0: Understanding who the actual people are, understanding behind why they're interested in the service. Yep. So walk me through the methodology that you use to build B2B audiences. First off, talking to those customers, understanding their pain points, who they are. I'm assuming there's some segmentation as well.
1: There is segmentation. So and I will use Time Doctor again, a company that I worked with. What we did was we found out that there were customers who were we'll call them general remote businesses, right? But then we also had customers that were in the medical transcription field. We had customers who were lawyers. We had customers who were sales reps or sales team managers. And so what we did was we created content for each of those customer segments. One of the things that I found out is when you break out the content, uh, those customer segments, you are almost never going to run out of content because there's always going to be a new person to talk to and a new thing to say. So... Yes, break out the customer segments and create content for each customer segment.
0: All right. So you're segmenting, you're thinking about what the content strategy is. You mentioned, hey, we figure out who the customers are. We create content that ranks. When you are thinking about creating the content for those various segments, how much are you writing for the person and how much are you just writing for the search engines to build pages that will attract those people?
1: I would say 80% is for the person, 20% is for the search engine. Is standard Prado principle. So what I mean by that is we will optimize, we will put in our LSI keywords and all that good stuff. You know, make sure that the subheadlines have the requisite number of keywords in there and, and all those things, right? Like we do do that. You know, URL structure, best practices. But the other 80% is written for the person, so that way their problem is adequately solved when they come to the site because time on site is such a huge part of the Google's ranking factors. So if you can't keep them on site, on the page, then and they leave and they bounce straight away, then you're going to uh, drop in ranking anyway. So you might as well write for the person more so than, than the algorithm. At least that's what we have found.
0: Now, when you're thinking about writing for the person, do you find that there's a difference in writing for people that are in B2C businesses, right, the actual consumers, or when you're creating content for a B2B business?
1: There's no real difference in the content structure. I will say though, in B2B businesses, more people are looking to solve a specific problem. Like, how do I grow my business? How do I get more leads? How do I save my business money? Those types of things. Whereas in B2C businesses, that's not always the case. Like There could be an entertainment factor in the B2C content. Like, hey, I just want to have fun kind of deal. And Maybe that is a problem that needs to be solved as well, I guess. But it doesn't fit into one of the buckets in a b2b type of content if that makes sense
0: time for a one minute break to hear from our sponsor previsible so you're looking for seo help and you got a couple of options you could start replying to spam from agencies that claim they can get you to rank number one on google you can pay an hourly rate for a consultant who will inevitably nickel and dime you with hourly charges So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, Square, all who rely on the SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's previsible, p-r-e-v-i-s-i-b-l-e.io. So Greg, when you go through and you're creating your content, you've segmented, this all sort of feels like basic blocking and tackling. Talk to me about the methodology that you're using to make sure that you're driving successful ranking and making sure that Google is prioritizing your content. So one of the very
1: first things that we did as soon as we had an SEO budget was we started building a link building team. And our link building team was almost structured like a standard lead acquisition team on a sales team, right? So we had the equivalent of SDRs who basically were people who found links, then we assigned content to various link builders. And our link building team wound up to be 10 to 12 people deep. So it was a fairly extensive team on a, on a fairly small company. of you know, If we were doing $10 million in revenue and 12 to 15 people or so on the team on just the link building team. And I think that was one of the driving factors for our success on that specific company early on. And it's one of the things that I I've, I've taken and done for clients as well is structure a link building team around in the same way that a sales development team would be structured or a lead development team would be structured on a sales team.
0: So walk me through the structure of that link building team. What's the process that you go... How do you staff the team and what's the process they go to take a piece of content from being published, you know, being visible to Google, to actually having signals that tell Google it should be prioritized?
1: So we have researchers and basically their entire job every day was to get link opportunities to the link builders, right? So they would crawl things like hrefs and download those things, but then they would look for like various resource pages and where the content could be promoted. We did a lot of Parasite SEO and things like that. Again, where can we promote our app on other people's sites as well? And so those guys, their entire job was where can we place links? That went up to basically... Instead of a sales rep, basically a link builder, whose job it was was to go and re- do the re- outreach to a to, to those sites and negotiate the links and all that stuff.
0: You mentioned parasite SEO. Walk me through what that is.
1: Oh, sure. So just pick an app, pick a random software business. It doesn't matter.
0: The Martech uh-huh. Podcast.
1: <laughs> okay, so let's say the Martech Podcast. You want to get traffic to the Martech Podcast, right?
0: Every day I do. Yes.
1: So, what you can do is go to Google Best Smart Tech Podcasts, see who's ranking for Best Smart Tech Podcasts, and pitch them say, Hey, listen, I have a really great Martech. You know, you're, it's not going to be exactly this, but it's going to be, You know, Hey, I have a really great Martech Podcast. We have 10,000 downloads a month, whatever it is, I think we would be a great addition to your thing. And then specifically, how can we get into the top three of your list? Ask that question. Because nobody reads past the first three anyway, and see what they say. Maybe it's, Hey, we would love for you to interview us. right? And if you're like, if all it takes is an interview to get into the top three of their blog posts, that's ranked number one for Mark Tech Podcasts, that could be worth it for you. Right?
0: So basically what you're doing is you're looking for existing lists related to your app or your service. And you're saying, hey, we'd like to be considered to be a member of your list. I Googled Best Martech Podcast. And the first link that shows up is uh, blog.feedspot.com, the 20 Best Marketing and Technology Podcasts You Must Follow and the number one ranking happens to be the MarTech podcast. Awesome. <laughs> so in some cases, hopefully you're already there. Hey, good for us. You know, in some cases there, there are some other, I don't know if I would call them competitive links, but we see the B2B marketing technology podcast from... MarTech Advisor showing up, and then it's our homepage, and then there's actual app stores. Seems like you know the idea is to ask to be on existing lists that are already there. Is that what you're considering to be? Parasite SEO. Yes. Parasite SEO.
1: Yeah. Not only ask to be an existing list, ask what it would take to be in the top three of that list or top five if you don't want to get too greedy. <laughs>
0: okay. Hey, we're interested in being on your list. We'd like to be at the top of your lists. What's it going to take?
1: It well, it's funny. Actually, there was a there's a company and I was in the top 5. I think I'm in the top 8 now, but there was a company that was ranking for best marketing agencies or best content marketing agencies. They were ranked number 1 for that, right? And they were a small SEO tool they had just launched. So I reached out to them and I said, Hey, what would it take to be in the top three? They said, I couldn't be in the top three because I was their sponsored or whatever. So I said, great. What could I be in the top five? And I think I was fifth. And they said, all you have to do is write about us. And I wrote an article about them. That was it. I was like, great. Now I get traffic from you guys. And all I did was write an article about you that I was going to write anyway. So... It doesn't hurt to ask. <laughs> All
0: right. So the link building strategy, a little of this is arbitrage for the listicles, the top 10 articles. That's what we're calling Parasite SEO, where you're saying, hey, I want to be on this list. And if I'm on this list, I want to be at the top of the list. And so you're reaching out to people that have already covered your topic. What are some of your other link building tips and strategies?
1: The other one is... So two others. One is get on podcasts. That's a great link building strategy, and then the, which I absolutely love. And then the third one is guest posting. We still do things like we still will, I hate to use this word, but we, there's spamming the internet still works, I guess, but it works a lot less than it did before.
0: Let's call it email outreach instead of spam. Sorry.
1: We will email outreach the internet.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's the type of links that, you know, you and I might get all the time, which is, hey, Here's an article that we wrote that's related to Martech. We'd love for you to publish it on your... I'm thinking about the Martech podcast. We'd love for you to publish it on your blog.
1: And then the last one that I love is just cultivating relationships with other people in your industry who are building links as well. And so let's say, Ben, you and I were in the marketing space and I write a guest post on a blog. I'm writing a guest post on HubSpot, whatever. And I say, hey Ben, do you want a link on HubSpot? And you say, yeah, sure, right? But we have sort of like this unwritten, unspoken kind of thing where we're next time you write a guest post, you're going to be like, yo, great, do you want a, a link on Mention.com or whatever? And so I'll say, yeah, sure. And so like you know, you build, start to cultivate these relationships of other people who are actively guest posting and actively building links, and you kind of a rising. Is it a rising tide lifts all ships?
0: I think that the way to frame those relationships, A, build real relationships with real people. And the second thing is you probably want to give value first. Hey, Greg, I'm writing an article for Search Metrics, who's the presenting sponsor of the Voices of Search podcast. Can I include a link to your site or what's the link you'd like me to include? Nobody's ever going to say, no, I don't want you to link to me.
1: Exactly. And after a while, you do that a couple times, and all of a sudden, you guys are friends, right? So I have a a friendship pod of like five to seven people who I legitimately talk to beyond link building on a weekly basis. And we all... But it's like, yeah, we just kind of build help each other build links.
0: Starts with link building. Next thing you know, you're in love.
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Tale as old as time. I don't think we're going to do any
0: better than that, Greg. So... That wraps up this episode of the Voices of Search podcast from Link Building to Love. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Greg Danejo, the founder of Content Guppy. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Greg and I are going to discuss the content framework that converts your visitors into customers. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to contact Greg, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter where his handle is Greg Dineo. That's G-R-E-G-D-I-G-N-E-O. Or you could visit his company's website, which is contentguppy.com. Content marketing insights in your podcast feed. In addition to part two of our interview with Greg Deneo, the founder of Content Guppy, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed in the next business day. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, remember the answers are always in the data.